0: Hey guys, and welcome to What Was Her Name?, the show where I will uncover the stories of domestic abuse survivors. I'm your host, Maya Hoover. guys, and welcome to What Was Her Name? I'm here with my guest, Ashley. Um, Ashley, if you'd go ahead and introduce yourself. All right. So my name is Ashley. I am originally from Hawaii,
1: uh, came to Colorado. I am 32 years old. And um, yeah, this is my story. Uh, I met my ex, my high school sweetheart, when we were in high school. It was my sophomore year. And um, he actually was the somebody that dated one of my close friends. And um, when their relationship kind of fizzled out, I had just been hearing about, you know, what a awesome and talented guy he was. So um, we started talking and we became, you know, at first friends. And then one thing led to another and uh, we were together for pretty much most of my, my high school, uh, you know, career. Um, and we were together from my sophomore year in high school till about when I was 21 years old. And, um, you know, with me being 32, that was a long time ago. Mm-hmm. So uh, I have been out of that relationship for a good amount of time, but it is something that I still hold on to.
0: Especially with a new relationship that I'm in now. Yeah. No, for mm-hmm. sure. Well, first off, um, I didn't know you were from Hawaii. I actually lived there in no way. <laughs> yeah, I lived there. Um, so my dad, he lived there and um I got the opportunity to live there in Honolulu. So so cool. Okay, yeah, that's where okay. that's where I'm from. Yeah. <laughs> no way. That's crazy. Yeah. All my family live there.
1: Yeah. So um I lived there and uh now we're in Colorado. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And I love Colorado. It's a different type of beautiful here. You know, Hawaii's beautiful, but Colorado's beautiful too.
0: And it's easier, I think, being on the mainland too it has a lot of perks. Yeah, it totally is. Yeah. 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 But all that to say, um, so very cool. I didn't know that about you. Um I think it's also tough though, just like listening to the beginning, just because I think when When you're so young and you encounter a toxic relationship, um, I don't think that a lot of us are necessarily like looking out for that as parents. Um, I know my mom wasn't like, I don't think that it's something that people worry too much about, but I think like abusive tendencies definitely still exist, um, within, I mean, any, any age range. Right. So, right. I think it Oh for sh-
1: for sure. Like, you know, I mean going into that relationship, like you never think, you know, you you read about it, you see it in ad you know in movies and stuff and you're like, oh that's not gonna be me. And mm-hmm. you know, my mom didn't look my mom definitely didn't think, you know, my mom has passed away since, but mm-hmm. uh my mom didn't think that that was gonna be what was gonna be my relationship with him, you know, my mom didn't think that was gonna happen. I definitely didn't think that was gonna happen, you know. And uh, I think looking back on it, there were red flags, there were warning signs that I think people tried to warn me. But when you're in love and you're young, you you ignore it. You don't want to listen to you know. To you, it's kind of like, why are you getting involved in my relationship? Mind your own business. So, you know, that's, and you're young. I was in high school, you know, and I had, we had our kids together right out of high school. So, you know, I was young when I had my kids too. And um, definitely, you know, you ignore it and you want to, you want to believe that that person's going to change too. And I think I was waiting for him to change.
0: Yeah. So Mm -hmm. I think this kind of poses the question. um, It like creates a conversation that, is directed towards youth. Um, and we have all age um ranges that are listening here. Um Mm -hmm. and so like I've noticed that in the stories that have been shared. Um this season we've had a few and last season that were high school or like younger, yeah, high school around high school, middle school. Um, and I noticed that it's very it's it's all similar, but it's also different in the way that I think some of the red flags appear. Um, I think, like I said, the tendencies are there, but what would you say were the red flags going into the relationship as a teenager? Like, would you mind listing some of them off? Just because I think it could help others maybe who are in high school listening to this, like maybe be able to pinpoint those for themselves or watch out for those things for themselves. You know,
1: definitely like, so a few of the red flags that I noticed you know, looking back on it now, obviously, when you're in the moment and you're there living it, you don't you don't really pay attention to it. But um, definitely his temper, you know, he would get really um bent out of shape or really like mad about the smallest little things over. It wasn't a I don't want to say overprotective because there's a difference between being overprotective and just trying he would pick fights over the smallest things mm-hmm. and you know I'm one of those people where I'm like you know pick your battles some battles aren't worth having and it felt like with him everything was a constant fight um you know his, he had a horrible horrible temper and um when we were in high school it's kind of hard for you know him to show it like I obviously I got like I got to see his temper but when he's around people that are in school you know he's not going to show it to them but back then we had like cell phones. So he'd be texting it to me and I would get to see his temper through his text messages and definitely, um, manipulation. He would make me feel like I was worthless Mm -hmm. or that I was nothing. Um, kind of try to tear me down or break me down in a sense to where I felt like I was lower than dirt, you know, like, uh, what I like I, I, want, I don't want to say brainwashing, but c- that's in a sense what it felt like.
0: Yeah,
1: you know Pri- prior to you know that relationship, I was confident. I was, you know, I had a lot of friends. Isolation is another thing too. He liked to have me spend all of my time with him and not really with anybody else. Mm. So uh, my friends, I kind of stopped hanging out with them. And for them, you know, they tell me like, Hey, you know, you're what, what's going on. And I, for me, I was like, well, I'm just in a relationship. I'm in love. I want to be with this person that I love, you know, all the time. But, you know, looking back on it now, it was kind of one of those things where he would pin me up and be like, be with me or hang out with me more often versus his friends. So definitely, you know, I would say, uh, look for his temper. If there's any flares in temper, um, manipulation, coercion, anything like that. And, uh, isolation, trying to isolate you from everybody else, family,
0: friends, anybody that's important to you, mm-hmm. you know, those are kind of warning signs to me. And I think like for those listening, like we're looking and we're talking about extremes. So I think like, um, someone who has a passionate personality, that's different than somebody who's hot tempered. Oh, exactly. Who mm-hmm. just, you know, a bit, you know, codependent and needs to be communicated. Hey, I need a little space. That's different right. than mm-hmm. someone who is trying to, uh, isolate you from people and gets upset when you go and hang out with other people and doesn't support your relationships. Right. Oh, so We're talking about like extremes. Um, you said something, uh, right before that, you said like, before this, I was confident. And that really struck me because, I listened to something the other day, I think it was a podcast by Brene Brown. I'm not sure, but um, like oftentimes I think that people who are looking on the outside, the big question that they have is like, well, why didn't you just leave? Or like, why? I I don't know. There's this stigma on like the way that people view like survivors of any type of like abuse. And like typically, like I think you're targeted when you are confident, which sounds like backwards um, because it's like, well, why would someone target someone who's confident when they could just target somebody who's insecure? And I think they, there's many reasons why they look, but I, in my opinion, something that I think is that in some ways it's a challenge. And I think like I've, I know for me, I was very confident going into my relationship with my ex. And I hear a lot of, Girls who are very independent, who were confident, who felt like they knew themselves, or who felt like, you know, they would never let someone treat them a certain way. But when somebody is like breaking down who you are and it's somebody that you love, it's like you crave this this approval from them that like they're not giving you. And it becomes sort of like this sick cycle and this toxic cycle, right? Where like you need this approval from somebody who's not giving it to you and who doesn't think that you're enough. And um, essentially right chips away at your confidence until you're no longer confident in your, you know, not you in general, but the person who is like victimized. Um, and so it's just a very, like a very toxic cycle, right? Right. It is. And you, you actually, like, you honestly
1: had it. When you said chisel away, I, how people describe it to me and how I've described it to people is it's kind of like an icicle, like Mm -hmm. a block of ice, you know, and that's you, that's your confidence. And you have somebody that's literally chipping away every single part of you until eventually like it's so thin that it can just snap, you know, and that's what he did. He, he really chiseled away at, he broke me down to the point where I would sit there and I'd be like, maybe I can't get anybody else. Maybe this is, this is it for me. Maybe this is the guy I'm supposed to be with. Maybe he's right. You know, I was confident. I viewed myself as beautiful, you know, obviously everybody has their insecurities and stuff, but it just felt like being with him, my insecurities were more magnified because he would bring out more insecurities in me that I didn't even, you know, realize. And now looking back on it, it wasn't even insecurities. It was just him trying to get under my skin in a way to really make me weak. So he could take control over me.
0: So what types of what types of things would he pull out of you and and like harp on regarding like your, to make you feel insecure? Like, do you have some examples of those? Yeah, so, you know, for me, um, when you're in high school,
1: like everybody, you're going through puberty. Every part of your body is not perfect when you're in high school. Um, I also went to an all-girls school and, you know, it's not just having your boyfriend or your significant other you know, pick on certain things about your body. I have other people that are in this all girl school environment, you know, girls are, they're mean, sometimes they can be mean. And you know, that it just brought everything to light. One thing that I'll never forget. And I tell this to everybody, he made fun of my nose and, Hmm. you know, for me, I didn't think there was anything wrong with my nose. I was like, well, I don't think it's that bad, you know? And he would bring it up to people around him, like his friends. So Hmm he'd bring it up, you know, when we would be eating lunch, you know, after school or eating, you know, before, like when we wouldn't see each other, he would bring up, you know, Hey, look at her nose. And then his friends would look at it and be like, Oh, you know, yeah, you're right. It is big. Like, you know, stuff that I was, I wasn't insecure about at all. He'd bring it out and he'd magnify it. Mm -hmm. And then another thing that he would bring up was, um, my relationship with my mom, you know, uh, Growing up, I didn't really have a father figure around. I had my grandpa, but he passed away when I was super young. I was 10 years old. So I grew up with my mom and my grandma and my my little sister. It was always so a household full of women. And for him, he thought that that was worthless. And he thought it was not a strong household. You know, He's like, you don't have a man around, so you guys don't know what you're doing. He basically viewed me as weak because of the household, the environment that I was brought up in because it was all women because it was, there was no man around. Um, he basically said that I'm weak and should I, in the event, you know, we were to have kids and they would be in that environment. They would be weak too, because it's just a house full of women, which, you know, again, when prior to him, I didn't think there was anything wrong with that. And then after him, I was just like, huh. You know, and there's nothing wrong with it, you know, but when you're in that moment and you're in that relationship and you love that person so much, you're, you're just, you're kind of taking everything that they're saying and you're, I want to say digesting it and you're absorbing everything. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, that it was just those two things that really stick out to me, but that was like in the beginning of our relationship towards like. When everything got really bad, oh, it was everything. He picked on me for every single thing.
0: You name it. So at what point, like, so, okay. So it started off in high school and you started to notice like the chipping away at your self-confidence, the isolation, um, right? It's like typically like how it starts, right? But the abuse rarely starts out. It's like someone just coming at you with a fist like it's it is it escalates to a point where it mm-hmm. gets worse. So when did you realize that something was wrong? At what point so, did you realize that? You know, so basically when I was in high school,
1: my senior year of high school, I got pregnant. And um, you know, I I told him, you know, hey, I'm I'm pregnant, like I'm going to I'm going to keep, you know, this baby and he was so the, the red flags were there now that I'm looking back on it, just looking, I, I should have kind of left him alone at that point, but I wanted him to be so involved that I didn't care what he was going to say. Obviously at that time, I'm telling him he didn't want anything to do with me. He didn't want anything to do with our baby. You know, um, he would say things to me like, um, You know, I'm going to bring you one of the instances I'll bring up is he told me that there was somebody at the school that he went to and he's like, hey, he wants to talk to you. And I'm like, about what? And he said, well, he wants to, um, he wants to talk to you about your options. And I'm like, what do you mean options? He's like, whether you're going to keep it or not. And I told him there's, this isn't up for discussion. And he told me that if I didn't go to this meeting with this, you know, person that he would throw me down the stairs That was the first thing where I was, I was kind of like, I've never, he's never threatened me with any type of violence before. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: That was the first one where I was just kind of like, I couldn't believe those words were coming out of his mouth.
0: Yeah, And he he looked, he looked serious when he said it to me too. Like he wasn't, you knew that he was not, it was not just a, like to, uh, scare me you Yeah. Intimidate. No, it,
1: it wasn't like uh, the look in his eye. It was, it was like somebody that had, it, it was almost like I didn't recognize him in that moment anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, I looked at, I remember looking at him and I, I, I was crying obviously the whole time this is going on. And I remember looking at him when he said those words and I told him like, are you serious right now? And he said, yeah, you're going to go to this. There's, it's not up for discussion or I'm going to throw you down the stairs. And, you know, in that moment, I was just like I couldn't for me that was like my first red flag but I was like he's under some you know when you're when you're making up excuses for the person you love I'm like oh he's just stressed out oh I'll just go to this this meeting with this person and hear them out what they're going to say you know and uh at that point in time my mom had already known that I was pregnant um you know and my school had already found out that I was pregnant too so you know, for him, it was more, he was worried and stressed out about, well, how am I going to tell my parents? How am I going to tell my school? Like what's going to happen, you know, with me. And I remember just looking at him when he told me, you know, I'm going to throw you down the stairs. And I remember looking around me and trying to see how fast can I run Mm
0: -hmm.
1: to like, get out of here Mm -hmm. because I didn't know what he was capable of in that moment. Mm
0: -hmm. Mm When I think hearing it back, like us on the other end were being let into a very traumatic moment for you. But, like, something that I think about every time I'm listening to stories is, like, just that this was, like, a real moment that happened to you. Like, and to just think that, like, at such a – you said you were 18? I was about 16 when this oh, okay, happened. No. Okay, okay, yeah. So you were 16. You're a 16 year old girl and you are in love with this person. You have a baby. That's, I mean, that event in itself is a blessing, but also can be traumatic to know that you are pregnant at 16. That's scary, right? Like that's. Oh yes, of course. Scary. It's terrifying. And so, and then to have your partner saying and threatening your life or th- you know threatening that they're going to toss you down the stairs is absolutely terrifying and right imagine like how you must have felt in that moment looking at this person thinking like who are you like who like who says that you know and mm-hmm. so that's terrifying um what are three experiences that you have in your abuse journey i know that there's probably loads um but I always like to kind of get a feel for three different ones that way we can like better understand, I think like a progression of like the experience that you had in your abusive relationship. Um, do you have three that you feel like you would like to share with us? I do. Um, you know, and like these are kind of the three
1: that really uh, they're obviously there's been a lot, but these are the three that really stick out for me. Um, and the reason they do is because I was pregnant with my daughter at the time that these happen. Um, he did not get start getting physically violent with me until I was pregnant with my daughter. And, you know, when I say pregnant, I don't mean like, you know, like lit- like three to four months pregnant. I was actually heavily pregnant with my daughter when the abuse started happening. Um, the first time was where uh, he had taken me to work. And he, you know, he, he stayed up all night the night before. And I was kind of curious as to, you know, he was like, Oh, I've, I've worked, I was working and I'm like, okay, well, what kind of job do you have to stay up till 4am in the morning? You know, I have never been the kind of person I don't like, I don't get jealous. I don't get um, angry about certain things. Um, so I was just really questioning him like, Hey, you know, where you been? Um, and then somebody had sent me a screenshot of back then it was MySpace. Uh, he had a MySpace profile picture with him and another girl. And you know, when I tried to ask him about it, he went on the defense and he started, you know, yelling at me like it was my fault, asking me who sent him the picture. And I remember at that moment I was in the parking lot right in front of my uh workplace, mm-hmm. and I tried to get out of the car. And he grabbed me with such force from the passenger. So I'm opening the passenger side door and he grabbed the back of my shirt and he grabbed onto my, the back of my bra strap and he pulled it so hard that my bra actually broke. But when it broke, the wire actually left like a bruise on the top of my, on the top of my stomach, like my pregnant belly. It was just bruised, completely bruised all the way around. And my bra broke you know? So I'm walking into uh, my place of work and I'm crying. I'm holding, you know, my chest because I couldn't breathe. It felt like he knocked the wind out of me. He sped off, he drove away and um, he drove over the curb. My coworkers are looking at me and they're like, what the hell just happened? And, um, you know, I'm bawling my eyes out and they're like, are you okay? Like, do you need to go home? And, you know, they're like, let's call your mom. And, you know, I, they called my mom for me and my mom actually came and picked me up and, you know, took me home and I didn't tell my mom what happened. I just told her, Hey, I wasn't feeling good. Um, but every, that day was the day where I think everybody at my, that I was working with knew they all knew that something was going on. Um, you know, that was the first time that was the first, um, experience that I have. Mm. And then, um, The second one that I have
0: was, uh, well, I actually, sorry, I want to backtrack for just a sec.
1: No, yeah, go ahead.
0: What was his response afterwards? Like what happened and then how did it digress after
1: that? Oh, so, you know, after, you know, I went home with my mom, I, you know, rested for the rest of the day. Of course I woke up to phone calls, miss, miss phone calls, text messages. I'm sorry. He came to the house and he brought me food. You know, and he was like, oh, I'm sorry. I don't know what got into me. You know, um, you didn't tell anybody, did you? And I was like, no, I, I didn't tell anybody. He's like, okay, well, I love you. And I'd love for you to, you know, come and stay over. Because I used to go and stay over at his house for like the weekend and stuff. And, you know, we have our son who was, he was about one years old at the time. So my son used to come in, like, you know, we'd have like sleepovers, me him and his dad and we go stay at his house versus staying at my house with my mom um you know and so it was kind of that's he apologized and then we went forward because like I said for me I still wanted him very much to be involved in my kid's life Mm -hmm. and I made excuses for him and in that moment I'm like well maybe you know Maybe he just didn't get enough sleep. I remember thinking to myself, like maybe I'm just taking this all out of proportion. Maybe the person that sent I've actually blamed the person that sent me that text message Mm -hmm. saying like, oh, you know, maybe they're just trying to create drama. I made so much excuses for everybody else, Mm -hmm. including him, that I wasn't looking out for myself. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. And I think that that um, is why a lot of like, people looking on the outside family members and friends, they like, will ask that question. You know, like I know somebody who's in an abusive relationship and I know that they're being abused, but like, what do I do? And like the harsh, but honest answer is like, you can't really do anything. Like you can pinpoint and explain that there is some sort of behavior that, you know, whether like, for example, somebody pointing out, hey, like this person probably didn't even know, like to the extent of what you were experiencing, but was like, hey, you should probably know that I see this on, you said MySpace, right? Mm-hmm. Um, But like, when you're not ready to like leave and you're not ready to see it, like you're not going to see it. And you like begin to make excuses for the person. And yeah, you sure do. You question, mm-hmm. like, you question your own perspective, I think. And the way that you, like, perceive things becomes very, like, I don't know. It's just off-kilter. Like, you just don't know anymore, I think. And, like, I think also um, it ties into, like, the low self-worth over time. So, like, that's why, like, that's why, like, it doesn't initially start with this kind of behavior because, like, first starts the chipping away, right? Because nobody mm-hmm. can pull off behavior like this if somebody's self-confident in themselves. That's why the chipping away starts first. And it slowly begins until there comes a point where this person is insecure or, or doesn't fully know their value or is kind of relying on this person for affirmation, whatever it may be. And then you know, the behavior is spiraling. Right. But like that confidence isn't necessarily intact that like, um, sureness of like what you believe in, in who you are is not fully there. And so I think it's easier for, um, somebody who's abusing someone to like get away with behavior like that because they know that they've chipped away at someone's self-esteem. Oh, of course. You
1: know, and like by this, by this point I was, you know, I'm pregnant with, you know, his, our second child together. And I really thought that this was going to be a forever thing. I thought that, you know, I was going to spend the rest of my life with him. Um, You know, and there had been times, there had been instances where, you know, I would tell him, you know, if it doesn't work out, he could look at me. He'd be like, what do you mean if it doesn't work out? He's like, you think anybody's going to want somebody who has two kids? Mm -hmm. And I remember him using the term used he said you're like used goods mm. and i remember thinking to myself like like am i like am i really like am i washed up like am i you know used like i really can't find anybody else and i remember thinking to myself like maybe this is it maybe maybe he's right you know now i look back on it and if i could talk to that that 18 year old girl that was there oh the things i would tell her if i could talk to my 18 year old self you know, if I could rip her out from that hole that she was in, I would, t- I totally would do it. You know, um, when you go through stuff like this, it definitely makes you a stronger person and your skin gets, you know, a
0: lot thicker than it was before, you know? Yeah. And the, you know, the thing, like you said that, and <clears throat> it just makes me emotional. Cause it's like, I feel that like very deeply, I think when you're on the other side and, you start to see things as they were and you wish that you could just shake <laughs> that girl that you used to be and be like don't like listen to this person or don't you know and that's what's that's what's i think powerful about like what was her name is because even though you can't go back in time and tell that 18-year-old you um don't date this guy, um, there are going to be 18-year-old girls who listen to this podcast episode um, or, you know, any, really any age, but I, I very much believe and have just seen it time and time again after each episode, like the right mm-hmm. people that need to listen to these episodes, they're listening to them. And so unfortunately, you know, nobody said that to you and you didn't know better but now you do. And right. now you're speaking up and sharing your story and the right people who need to hear this are hearing it. And mm-hmm. like the point of this whole thing, right, is for you to feel heard and listened to, but also that your story can be used for good to help somebody else out who may identify with some of the things that you're sharing and are going to share and say, like, wait, why is this so similar? Like, he does that, that happened to me, or you know what I mean? And so I think that's what's great. And that's why vulnerability is, is so important. Right.
1: Yeah. And it is, you know, honestly, like I, you know, believe in, like I, when I was, you know, going through all of this, I didn't really have anything like this. You know, we didn't have podcasts, you know, you can Google as much things as you can Google. And you can, I remember, you know, looking up, like how to get out of an abusive relationship. And all I found was like numbers, like, you know, domestic violence hotlines and, Mm -hmm. um, you know, all this like national, like national domestic violence hotline numbers. And in, you know, Hawaii, they have like a domestic violence, you know, like outreach center that you could go to. And I, the only thing that I remember thinking to myself was, you know, I remember sitting there and I was just like, okay, But like, is it domestic violence? You know, and in that I remember thinking, like, is it is this really like domestic violence? Is what I'm going through right now like domestic violence? And, you know, and then it just got worse. Mm -hmm. You know. So um, it kind of leads me to like the second uh experience that I had with him, Mm -hmm. which was uh where I was we were driving and we were on like a freeway or like a highway, and um I had, we were getting in we were getting into an argument and I told him, you know, like, I just, I don't know what to tell you. I don't know what to say. And for me, when I argue with anybody, I have this thing where I become very quiet. I don't say anything. And the reason I do that is because I don't want to say something I'm going to regret. So mm-hmm. I kind of just close up, you know, I let them, so I let him yell at me. I let him say what he was going to say. And um, so I remember looking at him and I told him, you know, like, I don't know what you want me to say anymore. Like nothing I say is going to make you happy. Nothing I say is going to fix it. Um, so I'm just not going to say anything. And as we were driving, he took a different exit from the exit that was supposed to be going to my house. And I looked at him and I was like, where are we going? And he wouldn't say anything to me. And I, my heart sank to like the pit of my stomach because I, in the sense i already knew what was going to happen but i wasn't really prepared for it and i remember trying to jiggle the car handle and i wasn't thinking rationally but i wanted to throw my i wanted to throw myself out of that car
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know and uh we're driving and he pulls up we go all the way down to like the end of the road and there's a beach on the right hand side and there's like a park on the left hand side and i remember it vividly because to this day i would not visit that area because it's so traumatizing to me. It just, all this memories and everything just keeps flushing back. Um, But we're sitting in that car and I'm sitting there in the passenger seat and he's sitting there. He reaches in the, uh, the back of the passenger seat behind my seat and he gets like this wet t-shirt And I'm looking at him and I'm like, what is that for? And he takes the t-shirt and he starts whipping my face with it Mm -hmm. to the point where it was, you know, and if anybody's ever, if you're hit with like, if anybody, you know, like when people roll the t-shirt and they like hit you with it, like that hurts Mm -hmm. a wet t-shirt has more weight to it. And my ex was a big guy. So with all of his force with, he just threw that shirt and whipped it across my face and i remember holding my nose and just seeing blood coming down my chin like i looked in the the rearview mirror and all i saw was my my nose down to my my neck and my chin just covered with blood and he kept doing that and um you know it was like in that moment i remember I wanted to get out of that car so badly, and I didn't know how the hell to get out of that car. And I was holding onto my stomach and I told him, you know, just stop. I said, please stop. Like, I'm begging you, please don't do this anymore. And uh, then he started driving. So I'm thinking, okay, is it done? And uh, he pulled off and he went to a park. And it was a park that was in a residential area actually a very nice residential area and it was a park and we were in the parking lot of this park and there's a playground that's kind of further away and there's kids playing in this playground and um I remember it like it was yesterday because I had blood coming down my face and then he starts hitting me with his fists Mm -hmm. and then he started choking me And I put my hand up against the window and I had blood on my hand and I put my hand up against the window and I'm hitting it. And I'm looking at everybody there who's like, they're about half a mile away. And I'm basically looking for anybody to look at me and come and get me out of that car. And in that moment, I I really thought that I was going to die. And I thought I was going to, if I wasn't going to die, something was going to happen to my daughter. I didn't know what level he was going to take it to. You know, and um, when that all and all that was done, he looked at me and he was like, oh, my God. And he said, it was like I saw red is what he told me. He said, I'm sorry, but it was like I saw red. That was what he said to describe what he did to me. And I had this wet T-shirt that he had just used to hit me with on my face, trying to wipe up this blood, you know? And the first thing he did before he took me home was he took me to Kmart to buy makeup, to cover all of my, all of this stuff on my face, you know? And um, the reason I brought this experience up is because when I got in that house, when I came back home, I went straight upstairs um i had seen my my little sister for a brief second and um my sister went into my mom's room and told my mom um, i think dean's hitting ashley you know and i think that at that moment that was when my family found out but of course because i loved him i made up excuses for this man and i just told my mom like oh it was nothing i fell I use that excuse all the time. I fell or I, I hit my head or, you know, he got, or I think I said rear end at one time. And I said that my nose hit the dashboard, you know?
0: I think it's like, I'm just listening to your story and I don't know, like I, Yeah, I'm just like moved to tears and it's just like, um, it's a lot,
1: you know, and like I, like looking back on it now, you know, like I, I was, that was not even like, gosh, that was like what, maybe I still stayed with him a good eight months after, or after, you know, after that incident happened not even eight months, a year and eight months after, because my daughter wasn't born yet. You know, I still stayed with this man. I still gave him chances and opportunities to try and fix himself, you know? And like, he told me like in that moment, he's like, I'm sorry, but I just saw red. And I was just like, you know, my, and the, the thing was too, like, you know, I'm sitting there and I'm, I'm have like I'll never forget it because I remember lifting my upper lip up and looking in the mirror and my entire lip was swollen. Like my entire, uh, the inside of my lip was just black and blue, you know? And I was like, how am I supposed to go to work? Like, you know, I ended up uh calling my doctor, my gynecologist. And I told her like my OB, I said, Hey, like, I think I'm going to go on maternity leave early. Can you write me out? And she ended up writing me out for, you know, the rest of my pregnancy, because I knew that if I went back to work with all of this on my face, then everybody was going to find out. Mm. And I was trying so hard to protect him from getting in trouble, Mm. you know, and, um, that was that second instance. So like the first instance was where my coworkers found out second instance was my family. And then the third was, uh, when, um, oh, go ahead
0: want to interject really quick um I think something that thank you for sharing that first off like um it's very like vulnerable to like rehash and talk about something so traumatic um and I think for people who are listening um I think that's something that is like you're going to take something right from this episode to like apply to life, like, because I we're here supporting you and your story. Um, but it's also integrating into like the way that we perceive things, I think, and our awareness. And it's, it's that, like that first example that you used, he did something, um, minimal, but it was huge. At the same time, like anything physical, is huge. And so I'm not I'm not saying like it's small, but I'm saying that like compared to the second incident, right? He amped up the violence. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think for people who are listening and who have or are experiencing somebody who has laid a hand on them, I mean, let's just use actually all forms of abuse, okay? Um, there's a wide range and a wide variety. And if you are not familiar with them, like you can find them online, you can find them on my page, um, but it does not stop there. And like the, the behavior will only get worse. And like the, like increase of like the intensity of it will only get worse. And I think that that's a place where a lot of us get stuck. It's like, we think that it's just like a one-off Um, and we're like, oh, it's just not going to happen again. And then the behavior changes and they're sorry. And they don't know what, what came over themselves or like, they just, you know, are (laughs) whatever. And like the behavior won't stop there. And like, time and time again, story after story, after story, you can listen to the progression of the abuse continue to get worse and worse and worse. And so if mm-hmm. you're experiencing any type of abuse and it's happened once, I promise you that it will happen again. Like, right. It, it I will. will say that. And you'll say that. Right. Mm-hmm. And it will be worse the next time, you know? That's and the thing point. is too, you
1: can't like, I've, you know, I've, I've used this for You know, every relationship I've kind of been into, like his I history repeats itself. Mm -hmm. I'm a firm believer in that, you know, and like you can try to change people, you can, you know, but if they don't want to help themselves, there's nothing you can do, Mm -hmm. you know? And you know, for for him, I really did try. I gave him so many opportunities. I really thought just like what you said, I thought it was like a, a one time thing, you know, and it didn't start, obviously, like you said, it didn't start with the physical. Nobody just goes into a relationship and just says, you know, I'm going to punch you like, no, no, it doesn't start like that. It starts with the emotional abuse, the verbal abuse, you know the tearing you down, you know, the moment you see a different side, like a temper flaring up and it makes you uncomfortable. If you get that gut feeling in your stomach, I should not be here. Mm -hmm. Then don't be there. You know, listen to your instincts, listen to your gut. It is protecting you. It is telling you, Hey girl, get out of there, Mm -hmm. you know, like leave, like get out of there. And I've had that said to me so many times and I've said it to myself and I ignored it you know and i wanted this man to like i said you know I, I i didn't have a father figure growing up and for me i wanted him to be involved in our children's lives i did you know i wanted that more than anything so i made excuses for him i made so many excuses for this man even to the point where gosh 10 years later i was still making excuses for him because you know i wasn't ready to tell my side of it you know, I wasn't ready to share my side of the story, so I'm still making excuses for him. But, you know, now with everything that I've been through, everything my children have been through, you know, I I'm looking out for not just me, for my daughter, who will one day be in a relationship for my son, who will one day be in a relationship too, and telling them, hey, guys, like this is, you know, you guys don't need this from anybody that you're with. And I'm also just telling it to everybody that's listening out here too, you know, if there's, if, if what I'm saying resonates, if, if, if anything that I'm saying kind of hits you somewhere and, you know, you can familiarize yourself with it, or maybe you can, you know, your story sounds like mine, then, you know, listen to me when I say you're so much more important than that you are. And there's always going to, you're going to find somebody that's going to treat you what you deserve to be treated. And in that moment, I didn't see that yet Mm mm-hmm
0: yeah no I couldn't I couldn't agree more um so leading into the next um example so the third example so the the third one
1: that was kind of like um I wouldn't really say it was the last but for me it was definitely um there and there were things that happened in between it um but for this one, um, again, it had happened. We had gotten into a fight and uh, he told me, I want to talk to you. And I was like, okay. So he drove to my house and uh, he picked me up or not picked me up, but he drove to my house and um, I'm waiting outside you know, for him. And I'm looking at him and we're talking And then I get in his car, we go to, you know, his house and we're driving. As we're driving, um, he says something to me because we were fighting and I told him, you know, look, I've, I've tried, I'm trying really hard, but I don't think this is gonna work out. And I remember he looked at me and he told me I could kill you right now. And I could (laughs) throw your body off of a cliff. And nobody is going to know. And he looked at me and he said, nobody is going to know. And in that moment, that was the first time I believed him. I looked at him and I was like, I need to get out of this car. You know, before I was like, okay, I I believe you. Like, you know, like I I take your threats and I'm taking it, but I don't really think you'd do that to me. In that moment, I felt like that man was going to kill me. Hmm. And uh, we went back to his house and I had to pretend like everything was fine and he told me no you're just gonna wait in the car and he went in the house he went to grab something and then he came back in the car and he drove and we went to a beach because he actually lived really close to a beach and it was pitch black dark like dark 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 and um he got out Cause we were arguing again and he got out of the van and he walked away. And in that moment, I was like, this is my chance to get away. And I knew because he had set the alarms on the car, on the van. I was like, I know that if I open this, this door, it's going to ring and he's going to come find me and I don't have anywhere to run. So I ended up crawling into the very back of the van and I hid underneath the seat. I pulled the seat down and I'm pregnant. I'm at this, at this time, I'm like eight months pregnant when I'm doing this. I was huge, Mm -hmm. you know, and I pulled my pregnant self into that back part of that trunk and I pulled the seat down and uh, he came back and he was drunk and he was looking for me and he's smoking his cigarette and all I could smell was his cigarettes. And he started punching the van, like punching the van to the point where I'm in the back and I could feel the force of it, you know? And he's yelling for me, he's trying to find me and he couldn't find me. And I spent the entire night in the back of that van. So he drove back to his house and I spent the entire night in the back of that van. And I remember thinking to myself, this is not what I want for me. This is not, I don't deserve this, you know? I was like, I don't think I'm a great person. I don't think I'm fantastic, but I know that I'm, I don't deserve any of this right now. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I remember waking up and his mom and his dad looking at me and they looked at me and they were like, oh, well, what are you doing here? Where were you? They blamed it on me. They blamed their son's fury and his rage on me. Wow. You know, like I, at that moment, you want somebody to look at you and be like, are you okay? Right. You know, and I knew, I knew in that household, I wasn't going to get that. Yeah. I knew I wasn't going to get that, you know? So I remember looking at his mom and looking at his dad and his dad scoffed at me and looked at me like I was a, like a disgusting human being. And his mom looked at me and she was just like, well, what did you do to him? you like, why did you make him mad? Where were you, you know? And I remember telling her, like, I was scared. She's like, well, what are you afraid of? He's not going to do anything to you. And they made it my fault, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, And that was the moment that I realized, like, I, I, that's where for me, I was like, I don't deserve this. You know, I don't, my daughter doesn't deserve this. My newborn, my baby, my baby girl does not deserve that at all. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I remember I went home and, I didn't tell my mom anything that had happened. I just told her that I was excited to be home and that I didn't want to go anywhere. I was like, I just want to stay here for a little bit. My mom's like, okay. And I remember my mom went and she got my favorite food that day. It was almost like she knew Mm. what was happening to me, but she wanted me to tell her. And my mom passed away in 2010. And uh, I think, you know, that if she was around, I probably would have told her what happened to me, but I honestly think she knew the whole time, Yeah, you know? And, uh, so that was that third experience. That was where I kind of had my, you know, my moment where I was just like, I deserve so
0: much more than this. Yeah. I think it's crazy that like it took like, it took like you being like like hidden underneath the trunk for hours or however the extended amount of time it was to realize like I don't deserve this and like for people listening they're probably like whoa like you know like I would have left it the first thing you know but it's like would you have like because when you're listening to the series of your story and the amount of abuse that is inflicted but also like the mental and psychological abuse that is being inflicted over time the isolation right like It took like to a point where like, you were literally like hiding underneath this seat because you knew what was going to happen. And you honestly, you knew what was going to happen, but you didn't know to an extent how far that he would go this time. Cause like the abuse was just continuing to escalate. And so Mm -hmm. I think that you could have very well, like saved your life, saved your baby's life and It took like this, this moment of being like isolated in this one position and to realize like that I deserve more than this. Right. And I think it's just wild to hear like the, you said it earlier, you were like, I don't know if it's brainwashing, but like, I would a hundred percent call it brainwashing. I think that, you know, that's what it felt like. It it really felt like I was brainwashed, you know, and like, um,
1: uh, looking back on it now, I, I did think that I I was brainwashed, you know, I mean, and
0: Uh, if sorry, uh, if you, ask, you know, go ahead. If you, uh, like, if you ask, if I ask you this question now, like if you want to date with somebody and second date, you are underneath the, the back trunk of their seat, um, because you're hiding from them, would you stay with them? Like, least, of course not. No. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like, of course not. Right. And so like, that's because like, you're like, you were brainwashed into a long series of abuse, the cycle of abuse that has like essentially like chipped away at who you are until the point where, like you were so battered that you like it took you being under that um seat and like having to realize, I deserve more than this. And that's how you know you've been brainwashed because, like now you're out of it, right? You're healing, you're growing, you're learning. And that shows like so much healing in itself. like, like to be able to like share your story start to finish but also like you're like of course not it wasn't even a question you're like heck no i would never you know right and, and i think that that's your answer right there like 100% it's brainwashing you know you know and i think that
1: so much people hold on to the good so for example with me i i held on to the good moments i had with him you know but eventually i had more bad moments with him than i had good You know, but everybody holds everybody holds on to that that moment when they're good, when their relationship is good. You know, when you're in puppy, when you're in the puppy love phase and you guys go on your first or your second or your third date and you're going out, you know, um, and, you know, you guys are holding hands and everything's perfect. Nothing in the world could go wrong. You hold on to those moments of them being good, that you look past the bad. Because you're holding onto the good, and you're like, no, wait, I've seen, I've seen him be good, I've seen him be decent, I've seen him be, be a great person. Like I'm holding on to that. This is just a phase. It, it'll, I used to use that all the time. I used to say, this is just a phase. He'll get over it.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: it was, it wasn't, it wasn't a phase. You know, it, it was not. It that for me, you know, it had, and you know, I know that. I don't know if it happened to other people he had been with. It's not my place. It's not my business. But I know that for me, a phase is not something that lasts over the course of two and a half years.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: You know, that's not a phase.
0: Even if it is a phase, like it's it's still not like that's a phase that's not justifiable. No. Yeah. Like it's like, even Mm -hmm. if someone goes through a phase because they're, you know, that it's it's still not okay. Um, And I think like, I don't know if, yeah, I guess I will ask you, like, did you feel, because I felt like this where, like, I was always, like, holding on to good, but I also was, like, hoping that I could get back to that point and to get back to that person that I knew um, because I knew, like, somewhere deep down that person was there, and so I was, like, it was easier to justify poor, behavior when I knew that deep down this person was great. Um, Mm -hmm. but the truth was that that person didn't exist and you're like waiting for something that literally is not going to happen. Cause like exactly. Yep. You're waiting. It's like, it's like waiting for
1: rain in the desert. Yep. You're waiting for them to come back and you're waiting for that person to, you know, show up again and they just don't come back. Yes. You know? Yeah. Yeah. That that's, that's exactly how I felt too.
0: Yeah. Dang. So yeah. I feel like I already, I mean, all three of these experiences sound like painful. I know the next question goes into your climax. I don't know if that like this, I'm like, I feel weird asking this question. Cause I'm like, I, do you have like something with one of those, would one of those exist in the most painful part of your story? Or is there something where you look back and you're like, this was the most painful part for me.
1: For me, the most painful part was having a coworker tell me, you know, and this was, this was after my daughter was born, you know, um, when my daughter was born, uh, I did not have him present because my mentality was like, well, if you're doing all of this to me and she's in my stomach, what are you going to do to her or me when she's out? Right. You know? And I didn't want that, you know? So I, I, took a break from him for a while where he wasn't there for the birth of my daughter he didn't come around for months after she was born you know i needed my space i needed my time to kind of heal you know and i thought that with that time away he would change something drastic would happen i thought that something you know like time makes the heart grow fonder is the thing that i held on to that was something i learned in high school and then i kind of just held on to that all the time but um you know i thought that it would make him change And he didn't, you know, he fell back into old habits. He, the abuse started again, same way, emotional, verbal, and then the physical violence. And then I had a coworker talk to me, like literally sit me down because he noticed how my, how he would treat me when he would drop me off, you know, really like very demeaning. He would speak to me in a very demeaning tone, almost as if I was like, I don't want to say this because it feels wrong to say it, but almost as if I was like a servant of his, Mm -hmm. you know, like I was beneath him. Like I didn't like, he couldn't talk to me as an equal. He could only talk to me as somebody that was beneath him. And my, that coworker pulled me aside and said, you know, one day, Ashley, if, if you stay with this man, you're telling your son that it's okay to do this to women. And you're telling your daughter that it's okay to have men do this to you. Wow. And for me, that was my moment where I sat there and I was just like, okay, I have to do everything I can to get out of this because it wasn't just about me anymore. It was about my kids, you know, and it was always about my kids. Everything I've done since the moment I found out I was pregnant has always been for my children, you know? And I was like, she's, she's right. I was like, "I, I have to do something. And that was my moment where, you know, I was like, okay, like I have to, I have to figure out a way how to get out of this. So that for me was my, that was the most painful piece of advice I've ever gotten. But in the same sense, it saved my life.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, those, yeah. those kids, like, like your son and daughter saved your life. Like, I think that it did.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. I think that they, were entrusted to you. And I think that you wouldn't be here if it weren't for those kids, because it gave you a reason to fight. And, uh, that's something that I talked to my, my G we call my grandma Gigi. And I talked to my Gigi about this and, um, you know, I mean, (laughs) I think we could do an episode individually just on, I'm curious to know, just as like another mom, like, not now, but in the future. Um, otherwise we'll be here forever, but like, uh, so at some point, like, uh, having children with somebody who is abusive, how that has shaped motherhood for you, um, and your experience, because I think it is different than someone who is married to someone who's just, you know, supportive and healthy. Um, and motherhood looks very different. Um, obviously as a, as a single mom. And so um, my point though, is that I was talking to my G about, you know, motherhood and and the struggles of single motherhood and healing midst motherhood and all these things. And she, one day she said to me, like, you know, I know that you had your son. I know that God gave you this little boy, because if you wouldn't have had him, like, I think that he would have, he would have killed you. Um, soon like he would have killed you and I was like yeah I mean like or I would have like maybe killed myself to be honest like I think that if I didn't have kids like I would have you said something earlier about how you had thought like just erratically in that moment like I I could just like jump out of this car right now like I could just jump and end it all like I could just to save myself from getting a beating and Mm -hmm. I think like that's something that you know when you have kids you can't do that because it's bigger than you now um and in a sense, um, it's hard being a, being a mom, but it's also like it, in a sense, has like saved you. Yeah, you know, you're absolutely right. It has, you know, and my, my kids,
1: you know, like everything that from the beginning that I found out that I was going to be a mom. I wanted nothing more than to be a mom. Everybody in that moment is getting their college, you know, application letters You know, hey, you've been accepted into this college, this college, because it was my senior year of high school. And I'm over there and I'm, you know, thinking about like what my baby looks like at week like eight. Mm
0: -hmm. You know,
1: at my 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 life went on a different path. And I'm not mad at all about the path that I've taken. You know, with everything that I've been through in this journey, it made me so much stronger, not just for myself but for my kids, you know, Um, and it's made my kids stronger as well, you know, and, um, you know, they're older now. My son's 15, my daughter's 13. And, you know, I talk to them about relationships and everything like that all the time. And, you know, for me, I'm hoping that they don't get into relationships too quick, but I know that, you know, I was once that age too. So it's bound to happen.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, so backtracking, uh, you let you, I knew, I know that you had that point that you shared where you realized like, I deserve, I don't deserve this. Um, so what essentially like made that made you leave, but how I guess, did you leave? Like, how did that look? Well, I mean, it wasn't easy. (laughs) So,
1: um, after my mom passed away, um, you know, he had said some things about my mom passing away, you know, like he did not get along with my mom. The reason he didn't get along with my mom was because my mom was an independent woman, you know, like she spoke her mind. She said what she had to say and he did not like that. Um, His mentality when he was raised was that, you know, women should be in the kitchen, very old school way of thinking, but women should be in the kitchen, be obedient to men, men control everything. Men should be the only one working, which is what he wanted me to do. He wanted me to be at home and be a stay at home mom and not work or anything like that. You know? Mm-hmm. Um,
0: and <laughs> he, know. he <laughs> happened. To yeah. Me he, I'm like, yeah, yeah he,
1: <laughs> yeah, he couldn't, he couldn't stand the idea of like me working, but I had to work because he didn't work. So Somebody had to make money, but um, you know, my mom, she would tell him straight, you know, like, hey, you gotta get a job. You know, she was very blunt with him, but she did it because she wanted him to be good for the kids. She wanted him to be a good dad for the kids, and he hated that about her. So when my mom passed away, he was like, um, yeah, your mom, she deserved it. Like, wow, your mom deserved to die. And in that moment, I was already kind of, I had one foot out the door and one foot kind of like in the door. And in that moment, like both of my feet went out the door and I was like, yeah, no, I'm not doing this anymore. And, uh, so a few weeks later I ended up telling his parents, just want to let you guys know I am going to be leaving, breaking up with your son over, over the phone. So, um, I'm not going to be at home cause I know, I knew he was going to try and find me and, uh, he did, he tried to find me and I wasn't home to which he went to, uh, another relative's house to try and go there. And I wasn't there either. And it drove him mad that he couldn't find out where I was. I was actually with a friend staying with her at her apartment until all of this had settled down, you know? And, um, and I told him, I said, I I can't do this anymore. You know, I said, you know, the kids will still go see your, your mom and your dad, and you're welcome to see them if you want. But you have to do something. You have to. You got to change. Like, so you need help. Is what I told him, and um, you know that was that was how I ended it. That was how I got out. You know, because I knew I already knew he was going to come find me. I already knew that he was going to come and search for me. So I took every possible measure to make sure that me and my kids were nowhere near him when that happened.
0: Yeah, yeah, Yeah. and I think you touched on like such an important. Such an important, like crucial topic, like when it comes to leaving, because like we can say all we want, like on here, hey, like if you're seeing these signs or these red flags, like you should be with this person, but like we're not saying, like right now, tell this person, like hey, you know, I noticed these red flags in you, and like I'm gonna leave, you know, no, <laughs> like that's no, fair- don't. <laughs> <laughs> like don't be don't don't
1: be that straightforward <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah it no
0: planning, but it takes preparation know. it takes someone who has a place where you can stay where they don't know where you are um even mm-hmm. if you think oh well they're not going to do anything well like they've thus far had so much control over you that um like you said it drove him mad that you couldn't find you and so like Yeah, you having that um, safety plan, in in a sense, set up in place was, I mean, it was crucial. Yeah, it,
1: it was, you know, and like I, like I said, I, I had planned it just based off of his previous behaviors, you know, and I already knew that that's what he was going to do. And, you know, when it was over, he couldn't believe that it was over you know, and I remember telling him, I said, look, I love you. And you're always going to be a part of my life as well as the kids. But, you know, I deserve better than this. And I remember him telling me, you're never going to find anybody that loves you the way that I do. And at that point, you know, had this had been the girl that was a year and a half before, I probably would have been like, yeah, you're right. I won't find anybody else like you. But at that moment where he told me that, I was like, "Mm, if love is not, love doesn't come in the form that you're delivering it to me.
0: Yeah,
1: Love doesn't, love, you don't destroy the people that you love. You don't physically harm the person that you're in love with. You don't treat them, you know, you don't break them down and belittle them to the point where they feel like they're nothing. I said, that's not love, you know? And I just remember him telling me that no one will ever love you the way that I love. You And I remember sitting there and I wanted him to get off the phone so bad, you know, and I didn't yell. I didn't argue with him. I just, you know, I let him vent his frustration out. I could hear him kind of, you know, punching whatever was around him, which I think he was in the car at the time. So I remember him kind of, you know, punching onto the steering wheel and stuff. And, you know, I remember thinking to myself, God, if I had done this in person, like, that would have been me, that would have been my face. Right. You know, but like they, I I removed myself from that situation and it is possible to get out of it. That is a, that is the important thing I want to stress is that when you find, when you realize that, that you're better than that, because you are better than that, you know, for me, it took a while to realize it. But when you do come to terms with that realization that you don't deserve that, there is a way to get out of it and it might just take more than you it might take the help of like you said somebody you trust a safe place to stay a safe haven for you but it is doable it is possible and you don't have to feel like you're alone in
0: it because you're not yes
1: yeah mm-hmm.
0: no, 100% 100% mm-hmm. um and i think that kind of like ties us into the ending um like so yeah i have changed this more recently this season a bit, I've asked a different question. So I'll ask these two, but um, that being said, there's a future for you now. Right. And you are um, far removed from it. So like what, where are you at right now? What are your dreams? Um, Yeah. Let's start there. My dreams for,
1: you know, I have dreams for myself, but for me, my dreams are for my kids. I want my kids to be better than me. I want my son to be better than me. I want my daughter to be better than me. I want them to do things that I haven't been able to do. I want them to go out there. You know, I want them to experience life to its fullest, Mm -hmm. you know, and the dreams that I have are for my kids, you know, and that's, that's how it's been since, since I became a mom you know? And for me, you know, my dreams for them is that, you know, with everything that I've done, I want them to know that, you know, there's no links to which a mother's love will go, you know, especially if there's no links to that, my love will go for my children, you know, and knowing that if something like what I went through happened to my children, that they could come up to me and be like, I have to talk to you about something. You know, and that's one thing I think I regret. I do regret, you know, not having that sit down conversation with my mom. And, you know, because I, I I, to this day, I, I know my mom knew. I I know that I know that she she had an inkling of something that was happening, you know, and I think that if I came out and I told her that I was being abused, my mom would have sick the cops on him and done all of these things to protect not just me, but her grandchildren as well, you know and so i want my dreams for my children are for them to you know be better than me and be better than what i could ever possibly offer them you know mm-hmm. and i've tried to give my kids everything that i can can possibly give them but there's just so much more you know and that's what i fought so hard to give them you know a life away from from the, from the abuse, a life away from everything that's you know been happening. Like I've, I wanted to separate them from that. You know, I know that house I've been in that house. I've lived in that house. I've, I've lived in that abuse and I wanted my kids to get away from that, mm-hmm. you know, and that's what I want for them. I want them to be happy. So the dreams I have are not for me, but it's for my kids. Wow.
0: Mm-hmm. And I think it's because of like your decisions to like your decision to leave that you ultimately like laid that path for them to be able to cultivate like their dreams. And, you know, it started with you, but it wouldn't have, I don't think it would have ended with you. I think that typically like time and time again, we see that the abuse then is filtered through the children. And so I think you have definitely guarded them and protected them from a series of abuse that you know would have happened and it would have been very damaging for them to see their mom going through this and so Mm
1: -hmm.
0: um yeah I mean that's not an answer I hear a lot and so I think it's just I can just hear and tell that you're an incredible mom and um it's inspiring for me hearing that as as a mom um because you would do anything for your kids. And I think hearing moms come out of abusive relationships, fighting tooth and nail for their children and for their, you know, cultivating a, a life for their children, I think is one of the most brave, courageous things. I think that you can do. Um, right. What is um, something that you're able to do now that you couldn't do or, you know, some, it could be really anything. It could be like, you know, Now I get to like cook pancakes um, or I get to like wake up and be happy or it could be anything like whatever. I can wear red again because he hated the way I looked in red. I don't know what it is, but like, what is something that you can do now that maybe you couldn't do then that you're grateful for?
1: Wow. I mean. Every,
0: everything,
1: everything. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like the control, the level of control. And like I said, it it started from, you know, small things. the, The control part started like really small. You know, it was he would control certain things about me, like who I talked to, the friends that I hung out with, you know, and, you know, when I was not in high school anymore and all those friends kind of went off to, you know, college then it was just one of those things where I was just like, okay, he, then he, he couldn't, then the things he started to control were, for example, like, um, you know, Hey, like controlling when I would be with my mom, when I would be with at home with my family, trying to isolate me, you know, the every, and it just grew to the point where he was controlling everything about me to like stuff that I was eating. And, Gosh, the things that I can do now that I'm not in that relationship, it's beyond, you know,
0: mm-hmm.
1: to think. And like I said, if I could go back and if I could talk to, you know, 16 year old to 21 year old, like Ashley, i the things that I would tell her, mm-hmm. you know, the the things I would tell her. And, you know, I remember that, you know. Somebody told me like, you know, if your 16 year old self could like talk to, you know, you now, like, what would they ask? And, you know, I would, I'm sure that in that moment where I was sitting like in the back of that trunk, trying to cry my eyes out and thinking like, is this, is this it? Like, is this as good as it's going to get for me? Like, I wish I could go back and tell her it it gets so much better Mm. and you're going to, you're going to cut, you're going to overcome it. You're going to, you know, you're going to beat this and you're going to get out of it. And your life is going to be so much better than this. And I remember, I wish I could, I wish I could go back in time and tell that girl that, mm-hmm. but here I am, you oh, yeah. know, and I'm in a healthy relationship now. And, you know, for me, that's, that's what I need, you yeah. know, and that's what my kids need too.
0: Mm-hmm. Wow, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, I, I don't know. This journey is so tough, but also so cool because it's, uh, getting to hear stories and like, we, we crossed paths on Instagram. Um, and like, we, yes, just, we did. Yeah. going back and forth, like, <laughs> like uh, ping pong, back ping pong, ping ponging I just made a board. We're like, what is that? Ping pong. Right. I, yes. I, yeah. Yes. Ping ponging <laughs> back and forth. <laughs> I know. I love it. I knew what you meant. Yeah. Um, and it's just like, yeah, I don't know. I am blown away by your story, by your bravery. Um, and it's just such an incredible experience to be on the other end and get to, like, meet survivors and, like, to hold your place here on what was her name. It's, like, an honor. Um, mm-hmm. That sounds – I don't know if that sounds, like, dorky. Like, it's an honor. But, like – it. No, really, it doesn't. I'm, it doesn't sound dorky and in
1: honesty. Right. Like, I'm glad that – this exists as a chance for other people, like, because there's so, there's so many of us, you know what I mean? Not, and I'm, there's not just, you know, girls, there's guys out there too, but I mean, there's so many women that have been through what what we've been through, you know, and especially moms, there's so many moms that have been through what we've been through too, you know, and we're, we're lucky to be where we're at, to have, what we have now, you know, and your podcast, it, you know, it really does touch a lot of people, you know, so I'm honored. You say you're honored, but I'm honored to be on this podcast to share my story because it's something that I haven't talked about, you know, for a while. And, you know, a lot of people that I grew up with and even went to high school with a lot of them still perceive him as like that great guy, you know, Oh, that was, you know, Ashley's baby daddy. They were great together, but you know, um, you really don't know what's going on. And it was because a lot of the times I I protected him, you know, and now I'm ready to share my story because I'm trying to protect other people now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you say it's an honor, but I say it's an honor for me to be here.
0: Thank you for saying that. Um, what is something that you would say to our listeners? And I, I, I leave this question always at the end. Um, and then everybody gives their answer of what tip that they would give someone listening. Um, but something that I think I just need to say, I think is like, you know, this started off as just a question that I was like, okay, this could be helpful for people, but Coming, it's it'll be a year in January. At the end of January, that it's been a year. What was her name has been streaming, and stories have been streaming, and we're starting to see the like fruit of all of the stories being streamed, and so like people are coming forward. And I've to be honest, like I've lost count of the amount of people who've who've been like who've either recognized it or have left it and are out of it or who like, even it just gets people's wheels turning, like the DMs that I get, or even just other survivors who maybe didn't even realize they fit into the category of a survivor of domestic abuse um, because they were never hit. And so it's just, I mean, it's really just been, this question is like so pivotal because I think that people are listening to this tip and they're actually taking it and applying it to their life. Um powerful. Mm-hmm. Because that's like, that's just wild to me. And so um to somebody who's listening who hears your story, what is something that you would say to them?
1: The one thing of you know that I would say to anybody listening, um, is that just remember your worth. Mm-hmm. Remember how important you are because you are and if somebody loves you, they're not going to belittle you into thinking that you're worth nothing. You deserve so much more. And, you know, that's something that I think at that time, you know, I, I wish somebody would have told me, cause I mean, people tell you like, oh, you deserve so much better, you know, but I feel sometimes like when people say it, it kind of just rolls off the tongue, but it really took me having to go through all of that. And for me, having to step aside and somebody tell me like, Hey, you know, you might want to get out of this before, you know, your kids go through this kind of abuse too. Mm-hmm. And then it wrecks them when they grow up. And then, you know, it really took that to be a pivotal changing moment for me, but don't wait. Like the moment you realize the warning signs, the moment you see those red flags. like I said earlier, if you have that gut feeling, if you have something in your stomach that tells you, Hey, something just doesn't feel right, then it's not right you know, listen to your instinct, it's there to protect you. Um, And just know that you're important. You're so important. And you are, you're needed in this world. And don't let anybody tell you that you're not. Don't let anybody ruin your self-worth. Don't let anybody tell you that you're not important. And definitely don't let anybody tell you that you don't deserve better than where you're at right now because you do. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm you know, and for the moms that are listening, you know, if you've been through what I've been through, which I know that there are people that have been through that, you know, look at your babies and hug and kiss them and love up on them, you know, and just know that everything that you do, you know, getting out of that relationship, you're doing it for them. No man is worth staying for especially when you look at those babies, Mm. you know, no man is worth staying for. If he's doing that to you, that's not love. Mm. Mm -hmm.
0: Thank you so much, Ashley, for sharing your story and being willing to revisit painful memories. And I just know that, um, like I said, it's an honor to have it here and to like give it a place on what was her name. And I know that, uh people moving forward are going to come across your story um when it airs, but then maybe a year later and um it's going to the right people are going to listen to it and need to listen to it. I really believe that. And so yeah, I'm just grateful our paths have crossed. And although it's I'm a- so grateful a- our paths have crossed and thank you so much for letting me be a part of this. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right, All right guys. Um Tune in next week for another story. Um, We're actually coming up on the end of the season already, which is kind of crazy. I feel like we could just keep going and going because there's just so many stories, Um, which sucks. Like we don't want there to be some tons of stories, but it's just wild. Like I feel like we could just keep going all year. Um, But 12 stories per season. So um, yeah, tune in next week and the next episode will air. Thanks guys.